Well, God bless you. Welcome to Church on the Hill. It's my beautiful wife, Elizabeth. I'm Pastor Paul. We're so glad you're here. I wanted to uh, make two comments real quickly on our announcements. Lisa Reeves, everyone is welcome. Um, if you have a teenager, if you have a teenager coming up that's not quite teen yet and want to hear about teen dating and kind of what's going on in our community and what, uh, what things are out there to help offer our kids to be successful uh, in this day and time, please come out to that. I think it was April 22nd, Sunday night. Um, the other thing was uh, July 4th, uh, the fireworks and event that we co-sponsor with um, Trinity Assembly. And let me tell you, it is work. We go out there and we work all day. And it, it's hard. It's hard work. And, um, you know, there's usually five, six, seven thousand 7,000 people that come out to that to hear some Christian music, some secular music. You know, we're just there as a community to help support the community and to celebrate Fourth of July and to give them a good, clean atmosphere to be able to come to. Well, this year, Pastor Mike uh, Campbell and myself both agreed, you know, the church is paying for this. The church is completely supporting it. And we have thousands of unsaved people there to see the fireworks. And we're not going to tell them, but we're going to bring a message this year. And we're going to offer the gospel. And I think it's time. I think that we have set the stage. I think we have sown the seed. I think that we have invested into the city. And uh, we are really going to try to evangelize this year. And people will come to see the fireworks. And uh, a lot of money is spent, a lot of time is spent, but I want to encourage you, please, please help support us uh, in serving, as volunteering, and just selling waters. The youth is able to raise a lot of money selling waters um, out to people that are thirsty. <laughs> That's the only way they can get a drink is if they come to the youth water fountain. Amen? Uh, so they sell sodas, they sell drinks, but I just want to encourage you as that's coming up, please, please, please come out and participate with us. It is a great um, experience to, to, get to, to get to know each other and to serve God's community and hopefully to see a lot of lost souls saved for Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. I'm going to go kind of quickly here. We read this two weeks ago before Easter Sunday, and we're going to dive right back into it. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Verse 20. But you do not want, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works, not by faith only. 
Verse 25, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I just ask right now that your word would go down deep into our hearts, Lord, into our spirit, Lord, into good soil. That, Lord, your word is the seed Lord, we are the soil. We just ask right now that, Lord, that you would bring life. That our minds, that our spirit would awaken this morning. That there would be a spiritual awakening to happen to us this morning. And that, Lord, that we would wake up to your word. That we would wake up to your way. And, Lord, that we would see clearly this morning our direction. Holy Spirit, come and help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. What is James saying in this part of his letter, in this section of his letter? I believe one of the main topics of this, I believe he is stating what the whole New Testament affirms, is that every Christian, through faith in Jesus Christ, has this calling, and that calling is to do good works. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Jesus also gave himself for us, it says in verse 14, Titus 2 14, to purify himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And then finally, Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I think one of the greatest temptations that we have as Christians is, is professing or speaking out our faith, but not having the works to back it up. I've said this many times, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. People don't want to know what you know until they know that you care about them. And we can sit here and say how good Jesus is, but if we don't show them how good Jesus is, they're not going to respond. I don't respond to what you say, I respond to what you do. Amen? It's so hard to profess our faith and not without having the works to back it up. But the truth is, faith without works is a contradiction in terms. Some may think that there's a contradiction between what Paul talks about, and I said this last week, but I'm going to hit it again, how Paul teaches about salvation, found in Ephesians 2.8, when we read, look right here. This is talking about works again. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved by faith. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are not saved by our works. I am not talking about you getting, receiving salvation, you being rescued by Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by anything that you have done. We see here in Ephesians that it is not by what you have done. We are saved by grace through faith. And it is due to the works that Jesus Christ did on this earth, not anything that we did. We can't earn that. It tells us in Scripture, it is a gift of God. We can't pay for it. We can't earn it. It has been given to us based on what Jesus Christ did. Not us. 
I am not trying to say that we can clean ourselves up. We just had a big discussion this, this, yes, last night sitting at our dinner table about the law. And all the law did was show us where our sin is and we can't accomplish it. All the law did, all the Ten Commandments did was show us we need a Savior. Why? Scripture tells us all have sinned. No one could uphold the law. So we're not saved by our works. We are saved because of Jesus Christ. Amen? This letter to the Ephesians, Paul was focusing his message on the unsaved. Those that had not yet received salvation. But James, we see starting with chapter 1, now into chapter 2, he is talking to those who have already received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that's who I believe we're talking to for the most part this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ, it's not based on your works. You don't have to do anything to clean yourself up. All you have to do is receive the gift. If you've not received the gift of salvation from Jesus, let me tell you, today's the day. If you have received the gift, now this is what James is talking to us about. Once we have been saved, we should show a difference. We should be different. It's not a contradiction. It should be that as Christians, when we establish a relationship with with God, then our works should reflect that relationship. You know, if you hang out with somebody long enough, you'll start to pick up on their mannerisms. You'll start to say their, their phrases. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever thought you, you, something comes out of your mouth to one of your friends and you think, where did I get that? I got that from that guy. Why? It's because you're hanging out with them. Same thing with Jesus. You start hanging out with Jesus you start having a relationship, you start getting in the Word, you start mixing it up at church, you get in Sunday school, you get in life group, you, 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 you get in the places where God's moving, what happens? All of a sudden, things come out of your mouth that are godly. That's the difference. The unsaved have to receive the gift because it's not in them to put out faith. It's not in them yet. How could they ever do it? The Word's not in them yet. They have to be able to receive the gift. Once they receive the gift, then they've got to start feeding on that gift and then letting out what's coming in. All right. God's got to flow within us. I, I compared this to a car without gas. The car is fully equipped, can do everything. You remember I gave the example of the ping pong, where the, the ping pong player that Everything's in us to be successful with what we've got facing us. The problem is we've got no gas in the tank. We've got no faith. We may have the faith, even if you've got gas in the tank, if you don't start the car, the car is not going to go. Even if you start the car, if you don't push the gas, the car is not going to go. You've got to put it in drive. You've got to press the gas. That is your faith working. We get the word, we come in here, we get filled up, we, we get led into praise and worship, the spirit of God comes down, we receive, but, and, and, and our, I believe our tanks start to fill. 
I believe when the presence of God comes, the Lord starts to fill us, just like we've come desiring to be filled. Sometimes you may not even know you're getting it, but the, but the presence of God is here, and impact is happening. But you get out here in your car, you might have a little gas in your tank, but you won't press the gas. And you're wondering why you're going backwards down the road. You've got to press the gas. It's got to be, your faith has to be accompanied by works. James 2, 14, I'm going to read it again. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? What good are your words? Crucial point here is saying we have faith is something easily done. We can say it all day long. But because we say it, does that mean that we have it? We say a lot of things. And you remember our words are cheap. But what really counts is our actions. The main point that James is making in these verses and the main point is what I'm trying to say here today. It's clearly to see that our faith must be accompanied by works. What kind of works am I referring to? Works in a sense that when we genuinely accept Christ in our heart, that a drastic change occurs. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says it this way. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. If we say that we have genuinely accepted Christ, we cannot continue to lead the same life that we lived before Christ. We can't continue in our sinful life. But we've got to strive toward holiness. Strive toward righteousness. And you remember what strive means? Try. Try. We can't say that we have a genuine faith if a radical change has not taken place in our life. By professing that we are Christians and not, and not changing, we are lying to ourselves. It's funny, I, I, I lost some weight a few years ago and I did it through uh, Weight Watchers and I did it online and you know, you have to put in your food, and you have to put in your calories and your fat grams and whatever you got to put in to be able to see how much you can eat. And the funny thing is, I could cheat. I could cheat. But I noticed when I cheated, nobody cared. Elizabeth wasn't paying attention. She didn't care. She did care about me, but she didn't care. My kids, they didn't care. You think they care what I eat? They don't care what I eat. I was lying to myself. I wasn't hurting anybody but me. I was sitting here lying to myself. Now, we can come up and we can receive Jesus Christ. But when you go out here and you continue in your sin, maybe a hidden sin, you know who you're hurting? You're hurting you. Some breakdown has happened that you have not allowed the power of God, the Spirit of God to really change you. And that's what I want to encourage you today is for the light switch to go off and say, Pastor, I received Christ, but I am still living this other life. Well, it's time for the light bulb to go off. And for you to realize nobody's watching your, your food score except for God. And He knows what you're doing. And the great thing about him is he still loves you completely. You're just hurting yourself. The light switch needs to go off and we need to say, okay, I'm not letting that garbage in my mouth anymore. 
Now, I'm still using food references, but that's how it works with, with things in our jobs, with things in relationships. We let things come in. You know, it says that the, that the ear, the ear feeds, you the, feeds the brain the same way the mouth feeds the stomach. It says it in Job. What are you letting in through your eyes, through your ears? It's time to cut it off. Professing we're Christians and not changing is just a bunch of empty words. Because if we, don't change our, if we don't change, our heart will never be in the right place. Look in Matthew 15, verse 8. I think Jesus put it perfectly. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Let me say it in a little bit different way. Let's say an adulterer or a murderer or a pathological liar comes into church. Let's say that person repents of their sin and declares that he or she has accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, up till now, everything's great. But let's say the moment they leave church, he or she continues in those same sins. Did that person literally receive Christ as their Lord and Savior? I'm going to argue with you that there's a good possibility, no. No. The truth of the matter is they responded out of emotion and not out of conviction. We can respond out of emotion. I've had situations where I see where kids just want out of the meeting. They've messed up. A parent sits them down and says, honey, this is what you've done wrong. Yes, I'm sorry. Can I go now? Just let me out. We come to God sometimes just to get out. God, can I just get out from under this? I'm not going to quit what I'm doing. I just want out. Just, just rescue me this time without a true heart change. Or you can see with your children when they say, I see it. I know what I did wrong. I've asked the Lord to forgive me, and I'm not doing that again. Do you see the difference? Are we just trying to weasel out and continue, or are we genuinely willing to change? I want you to know Godly change is the way. You may think you're, you're going to miss out on something fun. You're not. You're going to be delivered from something torturous. <clears throat> We've got to bear in mind that what James is teaching about faith, we also must constantly reflect it in our lives. I say this because I think that, I say this because if we think we're saved but continue to live a sinful life, in other words, we continue to disobey God's word. We've got to realize we are lying to ourselves. The reality is that continuing to lead our life without persevering in holiness only produces a fake faith. And a fake faith will never allow us to enter into God's kingdom. Revelation verse 22, verse, Revelation chapter 22, verse 14 says, Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. Church, as your pastor, I, I, I love to give feel-good messages. But you know what? It's time to stop worrying about how we feel and start doing God's word and watch him give us true joy. True joy. 
We think we are living in joy. We are not. We are living a lie. I came across a little harsh. We are living a lie if we think that sin is where our enjoyment is. That's a lie. God's word tells us in James chapter 2 verse 15. It says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food. And one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? These verses deal with a direct material need. They deal with a direct physical need. How do we respond to others in need? Know that not everyone does this, but most do. If we behave in this fashion, we've got to recognize that if being able, if we are able to help others, and the key word is that we're able. The key word, I think I'd already read over it, is if you are able and we don't do it, then our faith is dead. Our faith is not producing the desired results that God wants it to produce. Let's look real quickly as I close to Abraham and Rahab. These are both Old, Old Testament people that we see were saved by faith. Abraham and Rahab. Abraham's faith was not the only thing that justified him in God's eyes. Abraham's faith was accompanied by his works. I say this because Abraham obeyed God. And he was willing to give God the most precious thing that he had. His only son as a sacrifice. Genesis 22 verse 9. It says, then they came to the place of which God told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Verse 10, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Do you remember? God told him to go and sacrifice. And do you remember he tied up his son? And do you remember the words that Abraham said? God's so good, I believe that even if I do go through with this, he can raise him from the dead. Can you imagine that kind of faith? That he would tie him up and his son saying, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Where's the animal? What did Abraham said? The Lord will provide. And God grabbed his hand and stopped it. And at that moment, he looked over his shoulder and what did he see? A ram over here caught in the bushes. God had already provided. God had already provided. Do you see that Abraham had faith? He believed, but then he had to walk it out. He had to release that faith. And look what promises God gave Abraham because of his faith. Then we look at Rahab. Rahab, it was not just her faith that saved her. Rahab's faith was accompanied by works. What type of faith did Rahab have? The answer to the question is reflected when Rahab, after receiving orders from the king of Jericho to throw out the spies from her home, she approached the men and, they, and she said right here, 
In Joshua chapter 2, it says, I know the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. Rahab had undoubting faith. And by faith and through faith, Rahab knew that God had given Jericho to the Israelites. And it was not just her faith that led her to the spies in her home, but she showed them a safe place, and she helped them escape. She believed, and then she released her faith. It shows us in the next few verses, verse 15. It says, Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt, with, she dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go on your way. Please don't miss the severity and the, the threat that would be on her life for what she's doing. She was risking her life to let them go. She risked her life by her faith in God. She risked everything. And you know what? That promise wasn't fulfilled right away. It took time. And you know the people started looking for where those spies were. And do you think Rahab got nervous at some, time, at some point? I guarantee you she did. But she had faith. These two examples, we see how faith has to be accompanied by works. Let's don't forget that faith without works does not speak of God's love, God's power, God's mercy, God's sovereignty. Let's never forget that faith without works will not serve to edify the church, but rather discredit God. Matthew 5, 16, again, says, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You, I want to encourage you today. You may say, Pastor, I'm a new Christian. I don't have a whole lot to say. I don't have a whole lot to show. You don't know how bad my life has been. Let me tell you, God does. And you have something to offer. God has done something in your life that when you get to work tomorrow, you need to let your light shine. Don't put it underneath the desk and cover it up. Set it up on top of the desk so that everyone can see. They don't just need to hear how great God is. They need to see how great God is. And you need to show them. You need to be the salt and the light of the world. We are to be salt. And you know what? Salt makes things taste better. Do you make someone's life taste better or worse? When you tell people about Jesus, does your life reflect that? Does your life make someone say, I want what he's got? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Obedience equals action. Obedience equals works. Do you remember, I'm going to close here. Do you remember the, the woman with the issue of blood? Does everybody remember that story? This woman had battled uh, a blood issue in her body for 12 years. And she had heard about Jesus. Jesus had been moving around, speaking the word. And she had heard about Jesus. And out of her own mouth, she said, if I could just get to him and just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. 
Now, does she have faith? Does she have appropriate faith? Is she healed yet? No. The next thing that has to come is there's a huge crowd. And she could have thought, oh, I missed it. If it was God's will, he would have been standing there. He probably would have even come to my door. It's a sign. I must not have done it. Nope. Nope. If I could just touch him. And what does she do? She pushes her way through until she can just grab him. And you know what? She grabbed him. And the moment she grabbed him, she felt it. It says she felt healing. And do you know who else felt it? Jesus felt it. He's got people all around him shoving up against him. And he said, somebody just touched me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? It's like red carpet. It's like somebody getting out of their car. It's like a movie star getting out of their car and they're just getting bombarded. And them saying, somebody touched me. And the disciples said, what are you talking about? There's people pushing on you everywhere. Nope. Healing power just went from me. Who was it? And here she is. Oh, no. Oh, no. I got to say, it was me. I did it. And what did Jesus say? Your faith has healed you. Your faith. It wasn't enough for her to say it. It wasn't enough for her to believe it. But her saying it, her believing it, and her doing it produced the blessing of God. Now, I want you to hear me. It was God that healed her. It was his word that healed her. But it was her application that, that, that got the healing. She didn't heal her. Her faith in Jesus Christ healed her. And her action following that faith. Faith without works is dead. Her faith, without going and touching the garment, she would have continued in that, in that disease, even though everything in her was ready to be healed. I want to encourage you this morning. Release some faith right now, right where you sit. You know what you're facing. You know the right thing to do. But now it's time for you to throw the stone at Goliath. Now it's time for you to throw the twig into the bitter waters and expect those waters to be healed. Now it's time to get seed in the ground and expect God to move in your finances. Now it's time for you to start speaking over your kids and start leading your kids in a godly way and see that seed start to come up. We all stand up with me? Lord Jesus, I just ask you for mercy and grace. Lord Jesus, I just ask you to, to come to us right now and defeat the lie that we can't come out of our sin. That Satan has such a grip on us that we think we can't break free. But Jesus, I believe your word this morning is we've got to believe and we've got to push through to you. 
And if we can just get to you, Lord, you're the answer. But we've got to push through. We've received your gift of salvation. You have saved us. You have forgiven us. But now we need to take your word. We need breakthrough in our lives. And we need to take your word, just like Rahab, take your word and push through and release our faith. Do you know Jesus? You may be here this morning and you've never taken that first step. That first step is, a, is just receiving a gift. If you'll just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe that he was raised from the dead. You will be saved. But do you need breakthrough in your life, in your health, in your finances? I want you to know that the power to save, the power to rescue is here. Step out this morning. Those that are ministering, come on down here with me. We want to take just a moment and pray with you. I want to pray with you. Elizabeth and I want to pray with you this morning. We want to release faith. We want to release our faith for healing and for breakthrough. Step out this morning in Jesus' name.